0: So this episode is going to be very juicy. We have the honor of welcoming Andrew Melrose onto the podcast. He really is an expert authority when it comes to mold. He is the owner of the Mold Authority, and he has really paved the way for the mold industry and getting knowledge and awareness out there when it comes to mold and mold specifically in the home. So I am very excited to share this episode with you. Without further ado, welcome Andrew Melrose. So I'm excited to have Andrew actually on the podcast. A lot of you who follow this podcast know that we talk a lot about mold and I would consider Andrew kind of the mold expert when it comes to, you know, everything mold. So Andrew, thank you for being here and sharing your perspective. We really, really appreciate it. Let's start off with kind of how you got into mold.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, I have always been into health and wellness, really every, every side of it. Very fascinated by how the body works, mind, emotions, spiritual, all of it. Um, what I didn't know much of anything about was the environmental side. And so when I met a uh, friend, Tom Ray, started to see that he was in that industry, started shadowing him a little bit. And within the first two to three weeks of, you know, really seeing what he did in the testing and inspection uh, space, I started to see that um, this was a much bigger issue than I initially thought. And it kind of was like, it was just a big kind of light bulb moment of there's a whole um, industry here that I didn't know anything about and how the environment can really impact us. Um, and then also just the the financial, you know, aspects that come with it when mold, you know, really is an issue in the home, um, what it can do to just be a stress on a lot of different levels. So um, I started doing a lot of uh, inspections, I've done hundreds of in-person inspections and testing on homes and buildings, um, and then started to see the demand was really high for how do we navigate these situations with testing, remediation, maintenance, um, you know, and preventative maintenance as well. Uh, throughout the, the country, I started to see that demand was there. So then I got online and walk people through one on one consultations that way and do photo analysis and, nice. uh, and report, you know, interpretation and all that. But lots of hands on experience that really, uh, you know, that's, that's what I'm also teaching people and educating on now
0: yeah because i want I want to get into your course because I know that's you know kind of your baby too as well as you know educating people. um one of the questions that I did have is where do you where do you suggest people start because a lot of the times you know I, I see like those at home kits where people can kind of like you know swab things. Is that the same? Is that something good to start with? What's your perspective on that? Mm-hmm.
1: yeah, very, very good question. that's everyone's main one. So if you are I like to parallel the home and the body a lot. So if your body is not feeling good, you should do as much as you can to, you know, really like assess your lifestyle, assess your diet, assess, assess certain things before maybe just spending a lot of money on a random test to just, you know what I mean? There's a lot of different angles of testing you can do on the body that might not show everything all at once. And so with the home, if you just run a random ERMI test, and we'll talk about what the ERMI is in a, in a bit, mm-hmm. um, that's not going to give you much information all by itself. It's literally just going to tell you what's in your innocent looking household dust that you collected and whatever the lab tells you is in that dust. You're maybe you know, scared that there's a lot or you're feeling so relieved that there's not much. Well, I've seen very low Ermis where there still are um, you know, mold colonies in the home that, that, and sources that you can find, and vice versa. People have covered every base they possibly could and some armies are still showing up a little bit elevated. So mm-hmm. what I really recommend to people is get to know your house and and know what to look for, where to look and start to get a little bit of a trained eye. So even on my Instagram page I've been putting a lot of these like 7 to 10 minute longer form whiteboard style videos so that people have a little bit more context of, of an understanding about what to look for in the home and how how a home is working and basically start to do your own inspection for free and check these spots first. And then, um, then when, if you're going to do some sort of testing, you can do an Ermi test to see again, what's in the dust throughout the home. Uh, or you could do these at home air sample test kits where you're like very suspicious of what's under this sink that smells bad and looks funny. Maybe that's a place to put an air sample more effectively than maybe the center of your, your, you know, large living room. And so there are different testing strategies. I just need to put a disclaimer that, and I've done again, thousands of different tests, but the tests are only one piece of the puzzle. And there are many times that I have found things visually or seen a, you know, construction defect or, you know, wrong installation of something. And that a test will never tell you about the test is literally just going to be what type of, you know, spore count and types of spores are there, which can be good and needed information. But the more of a trained eye and knowledge of the current state of the home and history of the state of the home and the history of the home, you can really tell a lot of the, the home health. And so if you would like, I can even mention like certain things that are a little bit more likely to have mold issues than...
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's go there. I mean, anybody who hasn't taken a look at Andrew's page, I do suggest going to your reels because you, you have done a really great job of breaking that down into digestible pieces where you can kind of, you know, evaluate your situation and what's going on in your home. So I think that's a great resource. Like, please go there for yourself and your family. Um, But yeah, let's jump into that.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I actually saw the downside of like one Instagram post, you know, that's two slides long or 30 seconds. And it's a good clickbait and a good, you know, it's like very scary. Oh my gosh, mold. Yeah. But if that's all the information you have on mold, you're really not going to be empowered to, to know what the next step is. And so I was like, all right, let me do these longer form videos and, and give some more context that way. 100%.
0: Um,
1: so, so, okay. When, when going into a home, let's say you're looking for a new one. Um, there's still a lot that can go wrong in a new home for sure. Uh, with, again, construction defects and maybe even, you know, installing the wrong size HVAC system has been kind of a common thing lately. Um, c- kicking on the HVAC system during the building process can draw a lot of construction dust in it. So there's a lot of things, and even during the building process, are is the wood that they're using already waterlogged, already contaminated? Was there a massive rainstorm that wasn't dried out properly? A lot of things can happen for a new build for mm-hmm. sure. Um And even how the homes are built these days is very tight, uh, which can cause, like they say they're doing it for energy efficiency, but that can also cause, you know, more condensation in the home and less circulation and ventilation at times. Okay. But then you go to old homes and you're like, okay, we are inheriting the history of this home, whatever the history of it was. We don't know how many owners were here. If you're going into a 40 year old house, you have 40 years of different seasons, potentially and climates and how people, um how they treated the home. Are you going into an old home with a uh, very old carpet? Now you're, there's a lot of microscopic history there. You know, is it a 20 year old HVAC system you're inheriting that you might need to change out soon? Um, you know, anyway, so it's it's weighing the pros and cons of like the age of the home doesn't always mean like, okay, new home, you're good. Uh, I like for, if, if, you, if it is like a five-year-old or so home, I do like our odds that there's only five years worth of potential issues there. Still, it's worth inspecting very thoroughly. But um, like I mentioned, the most common places where mold has kind of highest concentrations would be in a uh, crawl space. Most homes that have a crawl space underneath your home, you're living on top of that. The stacking effect uh, takes place where the air pressure and temperature differentials will move air from the bottom up into the home a bit. Some homes a lot more than others if there's gaps in, in the floors and things. Um, that's usually on older homes. But if there were floods down there and a lot high bacteria levels and things like that, there is some sort of movement from that air, you know, sharing up into the living space a bit. So mm-hmm. crawl spaces are not always a complete deal breaker, but nine times out of 10, they need something done and then the maintenance of it. And no one likes spending money under their house. I mean, that's like the least <laughs> our yeah. least favorite way of spending your money. Right. Yeah. Um, so if, if you are looking for a home, maybe an unfinished basement, if there is a basement, I mean, slab can be really good if, if the slab is you know done well and there's good drainage around the home. Um, but an unfinished basement could be even better than a finished basement at times because you can see what's on the you know wood and the framing around it and really have that properly assessed before maybe you finish it. But anytime we're underground and subgrade, there's more likelihood for drainage issues or you know humidity and things like that. Um, and then finally, and I'll let you talk, because I'm just continuing yeah, to course. go on and no, on, no, but there's great. so much to the home. Yeah. Um, so yeah, crawl spaces and basements can be one because there's a lot of surface area and that a lot of surface area will influence more of the air quality throughout the house okay. and same with an HVAC system. So if that system's highly contaminated with um, you know, a lot of discoloration on the coil, for instance, or a lot of like caked up dust, I mean, it's so common that you open up you take a filter out of the ductwork, or you go into an HVAC system, and you see there's like half inch of just like a ton of dust in there. So if you tested that dust, you'd probably find some sort of mold for sure. But just that amount of dust level blowing through your system and therefore blowing through your house, you know, you definitely want to get that cleaned or maybe even replaced entirely um, as well. Right. And then finally, uh, water damage spots where you know there's building material bubbling, warping, cracking. Um, in areas that are, that are already you know discolored, even if it's old water damage that wasn't handled uh, properly, that's where mold has a chance to grow. So I always say mold is like a microscopic plant or tree and how it's structured. So when a spore lands on a surface, and then there's moisture to add to it, that's how you would water a plant, that plant would take root, that's the exact structure, uh, for the most part, um, as you know, how, how mold can grow in and on surfaces. And there's different ways of removing and uprooting that stuff
0: hmm. Yeah, I'm actually I'm really glad that you mentioned that because I see a lot of patients who have new builds in, in their housing and they're like, oh, I just bought a new house. And I'm like, OK, that's interesting, because all of your symptoms point to mold toxicity. There looks like mm-hmm. there is something kind of going on in your house. I mean, typically, yeah, when we look at old childhood homes, they're they're going to be the ones that have the most history. Like you said, it's, it's common to kind of have that mold exposure. But I am seeing specifically like we're up in Fort McMurray. So we had the fires a couple of years ago. What happened is a lot of new houses were built, but they were built poorly. And just because of the conditions of the environment up here, there's a lot, a lot of mold affecting people specifically in new builds and old builds. So that's one thing that I think people get confused with because they're like, oh, it's brand new. Like there's not going to be anything in the house. And then there is still kind of that, you know, increased prevalence of exposure like it can still be there. So I think that's a common misconception with Mm -hmm. people. Um, one of the questions I do have for you is I know there are some people who of course are in apartments, which is a whole other kind of situation. And yeah. then there are people who unfortunately can't get out of their housing situation. They're kind of stuck in, in that, you know, paradigm of whether it's financial or situational. What, what advice do you give to them? Cause obviously, you know, the best thing is to move out of their house, but if that's not the option, what's the next best thing?
1: Yeah, very, very good question, and uh, I get that one often as well. They say in uh, in the body and the home, the best solution to pollution is dilution. So we are trying to dilute um, that best as best we can. Uh, and I am more of a fan of, uh, of filters and fans rather than a bunch of... Um, technologies to kind of like spray and pray in your house as some magical solution. Okay. Um, and I did get that from Corbett from home performance is the the fans and filters being the most effective. So if I can plug anybody's information, his goes a lot in parallel with mine home performance on YouTube is the page to look up okay. and the, how he talks about circulation, ventilation, HVAC systems, how homes are engineered, even the placement of different things is very, very fascinating stuff. And I, I know, um, I know how a home you know works and know the mold side of it specifically but he runs circles around me as far as all the building science and building biology of how homes are built these days and those different issues um but it's very important to keep circulation in the home um you know more more fans the better uh opening windows can dilute that and allowing cross ventilation to happen so opening windows on either side of the home can cross ventilate and get some you know fresh air from outside um hopefully it is fresh and not not with the fires that's different um but investing in a good HEPA vacuum, H-E-P-A, HEPA vacuum, that's going to collect the smaller micron, uh, you know, spores and fragments that uh, won't be picked up by a normal, you know, vacuum that you have that isn't HEPA. And that will be collecting up anything that is residually left behind or is cross-contaminating potentially throughout the house. Um, if you, it, it just depends on the mold situation is like how, how bad really is it? Because if it's like, here, here's a very uh, extreme example. If you're walking in the house and you automatically are feeling like something's hitting you right away when you're walking in the house, that's a pretty acute situation. Your body's obviously going on, you know, the antenna's going off, right? Yeah. Um, and that's a huge, huge test in itself that doesn't cost you money, just costs you symptoms to walk in and feel like really bad and feel better when you leave. Okay. So that's, um, if it's that type of acute situation, you are going to want to make whatever efforts you can to leave. Um, but if there's lower levels and you can really strengthen and fortify your body while diluting, you know, the home via, you know, cleaning air filters, which are not again, going to solve the issue, but will kind of help it in the meantime, Mm -hmm. um, that would really be good. So if you're in a renting situation, I consult with those people all the time and it's just kind of landlord dependent on if they're going to do something and how they're going to do it and things like that. Um, and I've also helped people with some DIY jobs that are. More according to the right protocols, but just again depends on the situation.
0: Yeah. So, so where's your kind of headspace when it comes to like um, dehumidifiers and that kind of thing?
1: Yes. I'm sorry. That that was that's a big one for sure. Dehumidifiers can, because mold needs moisture to grow. So if there's right. a source in the house, obviously less moisture is not going to, uh, it's going to like make it not proliferate even more. Right. So yes, dehumidifiers is very very good um, to lower that moisture content and even prevent you know the the spreading of it for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, so, okay. Yeah. So there's obviously multiple types of spores, multiple types of mold. I'm just curious, kind of in your own personal findings, what do you see the most of? And then obviously we know that black mold is, is one of the most toxics, but I'm curious if you see, you know, different types of mold that are actually more toxic than black mold.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the most common family that like a lot of people are, um, probably have heard of as well, is the aspergillus and penicillium. Those two each have two to three hundred species each within them. Uh, They look about identical under a microscope, um, and so that's why they're usually paired together. When I'm saying aspergillus and penicillium, they usually hang out together. Um, Many times are gray, white, greenish type of dust, powdery looking uh, substance. And so they will happen on water damage, but also if a basement, for instance, has terrible circulation and ventilation and high humidity, you might see that white gray, you know, dusting on the wood, for instance. And that's usually an aspergillus and penicillium type. Um, Of those two to 300 species, each that are in those families, some, not all, are mycotoxin producing. So when disturbed, they will release the chemical byproduct of mycotoxins. And that's why that ERMI test, ERMI, has Mm -hmm. uh, a handful, let's say one to two dozen of aspergillus and penicillium species, because they're the more Mycotoxin-producing species that are on that test. That's why a lot of the health practitioners really like the Ermi because it's speciating those more uh, hazardous types. Mm-hmm. And then when it does come to black mold, um, there are many other molds that are black in color that are not the most toxicogenic ones. So Cladosporium, for instance, is a very, very common one. If you go into you know a restaurant and you see like uh, black on or around the vents, especially like on the metal vents that's usually a cladosporium type of mold. And I call it personally a warning mold because it's black in color. So you're going to see it a little bit easier. Right. Um, you might you might freak out, but that needs longer term water damage for it to become toxigenic over time. Most most times that's how it works. So if this sheetrock gets wet and sits there for a while and more moisture is added to it and it's not handled right, that's what's going to start to grow the stachybotrys black mold or the ketomium toxic black mold. Those two are again, when it's not being handled, um, and more and more is being added to it, it's kind of survival of the fittest at a micro level and it gets stronger over time.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. I'm curious, yeah. actually, do you, do you know about the mycotoxin tests by Great Plains Lab?
1: I know. Yeah. I know a lot of people take them. I don't read them myself as the, as my main, like go-to, I just add that as like a data point, of, like what people are showing. And there's a little back and forth for me personally, I would love to like hear your thoughts on it but like if you're getting rid of mycotoxins in a urine analysis there's a little bit of silver lining that maybe your body's like actually getting rid of it some people are so toxic and stopped up that it's not even coming out of the urine at all you know
0: well 100 and i mean that's where i'm curious actually what this Ermi test is because i've actually never heard of that before and the thing with with the mycotox test is it's it's better than anything else on the market but it's still not 100 percent reliable like anything right so and i mean i really look at symptomatic picture like you can tell when somebody's in front of you right that's telling you these symptoms you know if mold's in their system
1: yeah Um, melanie so agree like how someone's feeling in the house versus out of the house what they're sensing what they're smelling like we're Mm -hmm. made of all this stuff like the biology is made of like so much you know fungi bacteria viruses like we have so much of it all all in us and, and on us all the time. And so our bodies are going to notify us if we're uncomfortable. And so paying attention to symptoms and different correlations are very, very important. Every time the AC kicks on or the heat kicks on, like we have this happen, or it's only when I'm waking up, like there's a lot of different um, you know, correlations to to put into the mix. Mm-hmm. This ERMI test, by the way, is um the EPA designed it. You can go. I've, I've done in-depth videos on it so you can go and watch that and I won't repeat myself too much, but okay. um, they designed it like 15 years ago on only 1500 homes. So right there to me that's a very very small amount of like for a test to even be um, very legitimate, but I like it as a data point to just collect. All, they send you a Swiffer pad, you collect dust. That's why it's so easy for everyone to use is they just order the Swiffer pad, they collect dust throughout their home on 10 different surfaces and the lab tells them what was in that dust. Well, there's a lot of um, vagueness there because which surface really shot the score, you know, the levels up versus, you know, there's just a lot of different um, potential errors in that test, but they are speciating uh, via the PCR DNA analysis on what is actually in that dust and of the 36 species they're measuring, you can see what you're being exposed to at a dust level Mm -hmm. um, because dust is also a historical picture. What has been in the air settles on the surface, you collect the dust, maybe you're getting an idea of what has been uh, in the air as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And I know you talk a lot about remediation, right? That's a foundation, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, that's, just, that's pretty much a yeah. foundation of your protocols, which I completely agree with. You want to reduce exposure, right? And then you want to eliminate, so. Yes,
1: yeah. yeah. So remediation, the best way to describe it is, is removal. So if there is a visible mold source in and on sheetrock, Most times that has to be completely cut out and taken out. It really can't be cleaned and saved. Um, That's because sheetrock is very porous. Um, And so, and like I said, the more toxigenic molds usually show up there when water interacts with it. If there is mold in or on wood, wood can be cleaned and saved, just very thorough cleaning under the remediation protocols that, again, I've outlined on a lot of my videos as well, but it's a manual removal. And so instead of trying to kill or treat mold, those two words are not, really the goal because right. let's go back to the analogy of plant or tree if a mold if molds like a plant or a tree um, let's say you had a Christmas tree in December at your house and you want to get rid of it in January you're gonna take the tree out and drag it out the house to get it out you're not gonna you know fog it or spray some magical thing on it hopes it disappears right. the goal in if mold is in the house is to remove it and so you're either removing the building material that it's embedded into that you can't save. Or you're manually cleaning it up and off those surfaces. And there are mold remediation companies that should be following standard protocols to do that the right way.
0: 100%. Yeah. I mean, I was in actually my student house. This is how I kind of like stumbled on mold. I I was reflecting back on my university days and our landlord actually completely like this is crazy to me, but he ended up taking the house and he completely flatted it except for the basement. So he kept the basement mold, which still had black mold all over the walls, like it was completely filled with black mold, but he was just like oh you just don't go down there that's that's like the solution to this he completely flattened it built a brand new house on top of foundation that was swimming in black mold. So we were in the student house and I was on the top floor I was in like the crawl space and then I had kind of like a ventilation system that obviously is circulating all of the air in the house and I started to get immediately sick like I started getting panic attacks and I was like oh, like I went to the doctor and the doctor was like oh it's probably just stress from school, they came out of nowhere like I genuinely thought I was dying. Because I don't know if you've had a panic attack before, but it's it, it was it, something else. And uh, I can't even say it was a panic attack. It was mold toxicity is what it was. Wow. But
1: I think that is so common at schools. I'm so sorry I went through that because that's like, yeah. I think those schools are gnarly, like really filled with like all types of stuff. And yeah, and yeah, and these kids probably think they're just stressed or whatever. And then some of the lifestyle of like, you know, eating on a very low budget and whatever other habits, like it's just it's a, a tough mix
0: there. 100%. But yeah, I mean, wow. I'm glad there's a little bit more regulation when it comes to obviously new houses and stuff like that. Um, but one of the things I do want to talk about is is treatment. And I don't know how far you go into treatment. Um, you know, how do you what do you recommend for people in that area mm-hmm. or physical kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, very good question. So there there's a bridge that's being built between those who are like, testing and healing the home and those who are testing and healing the body. And that's a bit of what this conversation is. I'm more on the side of testing and healing the home. So I I know enough to be dangerous for sure about how to get the body heal, um, healing and feeling good, but my protocols are more so um, around the house. you know. So I have a lot of health practitioners who are you know, working really, really in depth with these people to not just hit the four letter M word, but really get a nice holistic approach to, to heal your body overall, because I have definitely a belief that the more um, fortified your body is and more resilient, you know, the more resilient it will become towards environmental factors to, to a degree, right. We can't get it to absolute zero all the time, but kind of the 80, 20 rule. Yeah. And I personally uh, got my genetics test and I have the NTHFR gene and the HLA DR gene, which have both been linked to, you have troubles with mold. And I can definitely, you know, see that because there were many, Many inspections uh, where I've like left the house and been like, my gosh, that was way worse than I thought when I was in there. I feel like I hit by a truck. So I get home and hit the infrared sauna um, and, you know, take the binders and start really sweating it out. And I bounce back fairly quick. You know, mitochondria, keeping those um, strong is very, very important to bounce back faster. But there's this other aspect I've been speaking with some friends of mine um, and maybe it'd be worth, you know, me connecting you with some of them for like Mm -hmm. a very in-depth like body healing with mold as well, but we can go there a little bit. Um, but that's, I mean, that they work on the body, you know, all day long, every day. Yeah. Um, it's very interesting how women are, seem to be a little bit more affected than men. Yeah. Um, not every time, but, but many times. So I do think that estrogen and other things play into that, um, you know, even mold connecting to fat cells and how, um, you really got to get the biofilms, uh, broken down and out. But when it comes to mold, yeah, the number one thing is to get the, the fish in a different aquarium, you know, so yes, leave the home, true. go to a different one, if it's a really, really bad one. Yes. Um, now, that can also be a hamster wheel in itself, because some people are, um, we just have to be realistic and weigh our pros and cons of, of, is it, are we able to leave this house? And is it really worth leaving or not? Because we really need to, again, not have our expectations to get it to absolute zero. No house is going to have that. But getting it to a lower concentration where we're gonna be feeling okay. Um, and then yeah, taking the right binders um can be very helpful while still making sure you have proper proper minerals uh in your body so that you're not just binding, binding and taking all yep. the good good out with it. Mm-hmm. Sweating, getting outside, sunlight is so powerful against mold and also to you know for the mitochondria as well. Um, and just Living a lifestyle of of more you know movement, whatever you can do. I know sometimes mold or other illnesses can be very debilitating, but your body is made to move, wants to move, and that is a life changer. Even to just go for an outside grounding walk or whatever you need to do to to be outside. Fresh air is the best air, and so um, exactly. those can be some of those foundational ones. And then obviously making sure you're hydrated and uh, eliminating properly. So yeah. sweating and eliminating every every way you can, um, and Staying away from the more obvious uh, mold foods, I guess, as well. Yep. Uh, alcohol is definitely not a helper. Mm-hmm. Um, many, many peanut butters with the aflatoxins and bad style co- or like coffees that are very, you know, cheaply made and things. That's not going to help. That's <laughs> not going to help your cause. I know. Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> every time I'm what, sitting in front of a patient I always feel bad when we go over the foods and they I mean most people are addicted to coffee and that's one of I mean you probably know the highest sprayed crops the the highest you know in bold crops so it's always the first that wild. I gotta take out and I always feel yeah. bad.
1: do you I mean do you know about king coffee that's like the best stuff
0: I do know are you talking about organo yeah 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 yeah. the my yeah, mushroom
1: that, I mean ever since I've yeah, ever since I've been on that, I don't really drink other coffee now. Feel good on that. They test for all that stuff, and one yeah. cup a day, I feel I feel rock and rolling. so,
0: <laughs> yeah, I do, do. Actually, Dave Asprey has a line of coffees too. I don't know if you've heard about Ginger yes. Coffees. I'm yes, a huge Dave awesome. Asprey fan, so I yeah, I do like the Bulletproof and stuff like that. But yes,
1: yeah. Yeah. i definitely forgot he's he's got a very he went through it himself so i think he, he definitely needs to cover that base before releasing something
0: <laughs> yeah well that's where we all come from right we all usually go through it and that's how we get on these topics um exactly. i'm glad that you mentioned those those healing stuff though because yes like i i am a huge fan of saunas saunas can do great things for for sweating things out um i have actually seen more prevalence of mold in women and unfortunately, children. I'm seeing it a lot. I have a huge pediatric practice, and wow. just because their their immune systems are unfortunately weaker, um, their detox abilities are always a little bit struggling at that age. I'm just seeing a right. lot a lot of mold. Um, I am using a lot of. I, I don't know if you've heard of CellCore before.
1: Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah, yeah. the
0: CellCore protocols are quite good. I do do homeopathics, a lot of elimination drainage, like you said, make sure that. Biofil biofilms are, um you know, broken down. The other thing is actually co-infections. And I don't know if you've come into yes this, Yeah, the sure. so co-infections, unfortunately, that's when you see like the extreme mold case where someone's got Lyme, they've got staphylococcus, and now they've got mold yeah. on top of it. And they're in a, you know, a little bit of a worse situation than somebody who just has that acute mold exposure. And actually, what I find exactly. interesting is that those people will symptomatically present immediately in the presence of mold just because right. they're so heightened and so sensitive, they can pretty much walk in any environment. And that's when you get that acute kind of response.
1: Yes, yes, for sure. That's a yeah, that can be a a blessing and a curse. At the same time, I just try to really help people mentally not to think it's only a curse, you know, because like, that can be just a tough, like a tough life to live if you're like, always. Thinking, uh, but, uh, but no, it's, it's, yeah, those, those uh, symptoms can definitely show up. And I always say, like, if you were bit by a certain type of dog when you were four, well, then your nervous system's a little bit more on, uh, you know, on high alert when you're 24 years old, when that same dog shows up. And so at a micro level, I think our bodies do recognize those previous exposures even later in life and says, ah, you know, that's, it's back again.
0: Yeah. I could go down the rabbit hole with that, but we're, we're not going to, um, one thing that I actually do want to talk to you is I know you talk a little bit about like religion. Um, I don't normally get into it, but I mean, mold is biblical. And I'm just very curious as to mm-hmm. what kind of your perspective is on that.
1: Yeah, great question. Um, so many different places I can go. I think the main thing I want to say is that when I got in this industry, I realized, like I said, within the first few weeks, that it was much more about these people who are suffering and like really knowing the the heart and soul of like those who are actually going through this being really tough and so mm-hmm. i did very much um i had my own massive like life change being depressed you know addicted to drugs like full of hate i had like just a wild grow up growing up and had a radical life change where um i was just completely set free from me and from all those burdens i thought i would never um not carry in my life and so um after that it's just i want to see other people free in that same way and I started to really pray and like ask God to show me how to best help people mm. because this stuff is nature's decomposer. And if we scandalize it too much, then we'll think there's just like a constant enemy that can never be beat, but it's outside and prevalent in nature. We just want to take uh, good care of our recycled air box, our home, um, and really make it a haven um, that can be, that can be safe. So I've really talked to people about like, you, we need to do the practical, natural things to get the home as good as we can get it within reason, within control, and also, you know, really taking care of our body because mold can really be a teacher. And if we, again, take the scandal off it, we can see that um, mold shows up in our life and it flips a lot of things upside down for some people and can be very, very difficult. But if we only put a story of negativity, hardship, you know, and all that around it, then we're going to keep it locked into that same definition for the rest of our life. But if we say, okay, it was very, very hard, I'm going to accept that, not deny it, but still realize that it actually came to teach me about my own body, about ways to improve my health. Wow, that was actually a catalyst for my good. And so I'm definitely a believer that all things come from God. It's just a matter of how are we going to perceive it and what are we going to name it? And um, that's just a very, very, it can be a very tough thing, you know, the very thing that you that caused, you know, so much suffering is hard to say that was for my good, but that's just part of the process. And we're all in our, all on our journey of, of how that, you know, shows up. But in your case and many other cases, uh, you know, your suffering becomes part of that purpose that you're giving to the world around you to say like, no, I'm, I'm getting through it or got through it and I'm going to help you, you know, do the same. 100%. And so I care most about the hearts and minds of the people going through it. I want them happy and healthy and you know healthy in their body, but I don't want the hardship and the PTSD almost of the scarring mentally and emotionally to hang on with them for the rest of their life of like, that was just a terrible season of life and, and playing that, um, you know, that same negative story over and over and over because mm-hmm. it's hard enough going through it. Let's not add, you know, all that to it as well. So knowing that we are eternal spirits and we have the power to heal, that we are truly life-giving spirits and that spirit is giving life to our bodies even now. Um, putting a little bit more emphasis on that ability to heal rather than our um, inability to heal, really.
0: Yeah, perfectly said, yeah. perfectly said. And actually that's pretty much, you know, what I wanted to wrap up with. The last thing I want to talk about is your course, because I know you have a course and I know a lot of people are going to find value in that. What specifically do you talk mm-hmm. about in the course and how can people find it?
1: Thank you. Yeah, Um. The my Instagram page is really the place to talk, you know, and in, in, engage with me and watch all those free videos. I tell people, if you just skip one night of Netflix and binge my page, you'll learn a lot about mold in one night and you'll probably be good. And there's a lot of different places to go and learn about mold that are probably good uh, spots too, but I'm very confident that you'll be you know, pretty well-versed after uh, binging my page a bit. Uh, this course is a mini one. I did it live with people and it was very life-changing for them. And it was really more around the what we kind of just talked about, like the story that you've told yourself around mold. And so it's really about rewriting your health story. And so there is a module that's just about the practicals of mold, but a lot of it is on the you know spiritual aspects of it as well. My favorite module is about the 23 different representations that mold could also have um, in our life. So mold thrives in the dark, for instance. Um, so what could it be showing us that we are keeping certain secrets in the dark and it's showing us too, come to the light. Um, there's 23 different ones. So it's fascinating to go through and say, wow, I, I resonate with five of those. That's definitely something mold's teaching me about my own self or, you know, what some of the, some of the students were like, I resonate with 20 of these 23. I was like, good. You're, gonna, you know, redeem that much more, um, yeah. in your life. And that's, you know, what it's going to show you. So that course is definitely a bit deep. Um, it's only four hours long and it's great price point of only like 279, but it's a life changer. Like it will completely open people's eyes to, uh, just a lot of things in life, their own life purpose, their own narrative of, of a lot of things in life that, that may be um, realized, but it's around those who've gone through mold specifically yes. for a mold specific resource um, on just the practicals that I will have the mold handbook done in just a couple of weeks. And that is going to be definitely the A to Z all in one resource that if you're a renter, if you're a homeowner. Uh, if you've had a lot of water damage, a little bit of water damage, you want to know how to inspect, you want to know how to vet an inspector and remediator. There's like so much to it. It's kind of five years worth of knowledge all in one, and that's going to be out soon. So for the mold practicals, you want that, uh, mold handbook for the getting for kind of healing from the inside out, what I call it. That's where the course is, uh, absolutely life-changing.
0: Awesome. I know every single one of my listeners is going to be interested in that course, (laughs) It's definitely, it, you know, yeah. resonating with me personally, and I know a lot of my patients actually will will be very interested in that. I'm glad cool. you brought the spiritual and that that deeper aspect into T. Thank healing. you.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. it's really needed. We have so much more in us than we know, and and really rewriting our story is a very very powerful practice to do. Yeah. And in that course, we rewrite our story in four different narratives from different perspectives. It's yeah, it's it's big, big time. Nice.
0: <laughs> I can feel yeah. it. And then anybody who is interested in following Andrew, I will have in the show notes, his website, his Instagram handle, um, links to all of his courses and handbook when it's out as well. So you'll have that there. Um, Andrew, thank you so much for your time in college. Really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Yeah. You're so genuine and really care about what you do and the people. And I just really appreciate that a lot. Um, It's definitely more than just a job for you. I can definitely tell that and would love to get your name out there uh, more and more and and learn more about how, you know, people I work with can.
0: Likewise. Thank you. Thank you for the healing that you do. Very important.
1: You too, sister. Thank you. Thanks.
0: And that wraps up another episode of the Parasite Doc Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. The show wouldn't be possible, obviously, without you guys. We love to hear your feedback. What did you think of the show? What did you think of the topics that we touched on? And we're always open to feedback on things that we could improve on or topics or people that you'd like us to interview. Thanks again. We'll see you on the next time on the Parasite Doc Podcast. We'll be right back. back.